Hello, friends, and welcome to the most glorious of events, the Movie Mavericks Podcast. This outstanding program is hosted by two fine gentlemen, Jason and Trevor. Now make it so. MovieMavericks.com Hey now, everybody, welcome to episode 393 of the Movie Mavericks Podcast. I'm Trevor Anderson. Send you over to Jason Rugard. He's going to... uh, talk to you about some shit we got to talk about some things guys we want to thank you for the explosion in popularity over the last year 2023 was a banner year for us in terms of download our back catalog got hit a tremendous amount of time and we got a whole bunch of new followers so we want to thank you guys uh, obviously you're spreading the word out there but if you haven't yet please like rate review the show whatever platform you're listening to this on uh, just tell your friend, whoever else you can spread it to, because uh, we've been doing this for free for almost 14 <laughs> years now, and all we need is for you guys to help us out with uh, rating and reviewing the show. It helps the algorithm, and it'll continue growth for exactly. us. Exactly. I like how you use the word spread, like it's an STD. It can be a, it, it can be something like that. Get out like there that. spread that around. I want to say that we're more like a herpy because once we get inside of you, we're never going anywhere. Yeah, we come back. Yeah, we, you're, you're living with us <laughs> when, for when the you rest least of your want life. us. So what are we talking about tonight? We're going to be talking about some films. We're going to talk about something that's in theaters right now. You can go see if you are listening to this currently when it's released. That is The Beekeeper with Jason Statham, the David Ayer action film that is being released this Friday. Also, Rebel Moon, Zack Snyder's big Netflix swing. Uh, also, we're going to be talking about Mark Wahlberg's Apple film, The Family Plan, as well as the biggest film of the year, the movie that most of you have seen that is listening to this, Barbie. So, having said that, the trailers <laughs> we're talking about are Lisa Frankenstein from Diablo Cody, Bob Marley's story, One Love, and Rebel Moon 2, the conclusion to that mentioned Zack Snyder film. Lots to go over tonight. Do we have trivia? Are we set up for any trivia? Do you have it near you? Do you want to do that tonight? Or are we going to forego the trivia? Oh, here's the book. Oh, you found the book? Oh, goodness. What, did it just jump at you? Did it walk itself in front of you and said, I want to be read? It's like the Necronomicon of the fucking... (laughs) 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 I spilled some blood on it. It came to life. It's more like fucking Page Master with Macaulay Culkin. You want one? Who are you talking to? The book? (laughs) (laughs) You're right. I'm offering up your soul. (laughs) Seriously. If I get this, what rides on this? Is it my... What are we betting on? What are we wagering on this? <laughs> All right. Question number 1135. All right. This filmmaker was Pier Paolo Pasolini's I'm already, assistant I'm already director on, this. on acetone before directing his own films. Are you speaking including English? Last Tango in Paris. Oh, who is this? Bernard Bettolucci? Uh, I mean... That was a ding-ding-ding, you were correct. Okay, thank you. I can keep my soul for at least another day. <laughs> yes, the book will collect it eventually. You had me so worried about the stakes of the wager that I forgot that you were going to give me oper- <laughs> options to guess. I just fucking <laughs> jumped good, on though. it. Thank you. You want another one? Yeah, please. Want one more? All right. All right, 2023, uh, which is last year, so oh, there you go. Uh, the Welton Academy is said to be based upon four principles. What? In the 1989 drama, oh, Dead Poets Society. <laughs> Which of these is not one of them? Tradition, honor, morality, or discipline? It's, uh, well, 
Morality? I know that's what I was going to say too, but yeah, I, I mean, I think, yeah, there you go. Isn't that what he's bringing to them? Is that what that was? Through theatrical interpretations remember. of literature? I mean, maybe, sure. <laughs> I was never the biggest fan of that movie, were you? I no, I only saw it um, a couple times a long time ago. I, it was either I was either going to say tradition or morality. Right, let's go one last one. I think I'm uh, good for one more. We got a low number here, three ninety four. Guys, this is going to be an early one, early Hollywood question, most likely. The toughest. Well, let's see. Yeah, three ninety four. Mr. Andrews offers a reward for Ellie in It Happened One Night. How much is the reward? $10,000, $500, dollars $327.64, or $100,000? $100,000, which is a shitload of money back in 1950. That'd be whatever. a lot of money. Yeah. No, it was uh, $10,000. I'm putting a ban on questions about movies from the 30s. All right, this is bullshit. Yeah, this was a classic films question. <laughs> yes, okay, thank you. All right, so that continues my streak of getting, you know, around two out of three. So not bad, not bad. All right, let's get into the meat of tonight's show. And that is, I'm excited to report back to you and talk about The Beekeeper. This is something that we talked about, the trailer, on a couple shows back. You and I both expressed some interest in seeing this, and I was available to see a sneak preview of it last weekend. This premieres in theaters Friday as we record this, so that will be January 12th. Um, I gotta say that I was kind of let down by this one. I was expecting this to be at least uh, engaging on the level of good Statham action films, and this is on the mediocre ones. I put this in there with uh, not as good as Homefront, but something like The Mechanic 2, Resurrection. Um, yeah, you know, Transporter 3. It's it's all action. I do have to say it's particularly brutal. I did like that. I mean, they don't fuck around. But the, this is evident of some, you know, talk about the air cut of Suicide Squad. There is a chunk of story missing out of this movie. Events unfold in the first act at such a rapid pace that mm -hmm. nothing really lands. So his mission of justice isn't really earned. There's zero character development. You don't know a whole... I mean, everything told about the man is through other characters, a la First Blood and things like that. So that's nothing new in this action genre. But... The person's following him, the FBI agent. I didn't care for her. I didn't find her credible at all. I didn't find her partner very credible. I thought that their attempts at adding a little bit of levity and humor were not well landing. I, the whole thing, to me, felt rushed and cheap. And when I told you off-air, it felt to me like a production that Lionsgate would have released in 2008. And I don't mean that like Rambo 4. I mean that like, uh, you know... Uh, Punisher war zone or something like that where it just feels small and they're trying to make a world here but ultimately I think that a lot of people are going to be let down it's got a great concept I wish they would have ran with it but the script by Kurt Wimmer who also wrote the dreadful Expendables 4 this is just a little bit better than that so I'm curious to see if this is going to be a hit because it was packed in that theater um, I saw it with my gal she wanted to see it which blew me away so there is some 
people responding to the trailer and the concept, but I think that they're going to be let down here. And um, Statham looks bored. I mean, this is his fifth movie he's been in in the last calendar year, and it just feels like more of the same. You were talking about Seagull-type movies. This is about as close as a Steven Seagull movie as you get on the big screen anymore, which is kind of why I liked it. There's a B-movie exuberance to it. There's a shitload of action. But if you're going looking for anything beyond that or a franchise which it seems like they're setting up for you're going to be look scratching your head and going is that it because this feels like it, it ends so poorly that it feels like they just i was waiting for the freeze frame but it's just even worse it's a pan off to the sky and you're like wait what in this credit rolls <laughs> it's like okay we got out like it, somebody i feel like came in here reassembled this and they released it and they're hoping that it does well in the foreign market Think of war. Remember uh, Statham and Jet Li? That's, that's the level of we're talking here. Not, not, not great, man. Not great comparisons there. And I, I don't want to beat it up too bad because I was really looking forward to this, and I love that we're at least getting some action films on the big screen. I don't want to be the person that's helping put nail in the coffin of that genre. I love this genre, but it's just this is not a good example of it. Are you going to see it? Are you still going to check it out? Yeah, I still want to see it. I'm going to see it. Um, I, I, you know, I like air. Um, I like some of the movies, uh, Wimmer's written Wimmer, however you say his name. Um, and I like Jason Statham, so I'll give it a shot still. Good concept in the very theater. poor execution. Uh, and even good casting. That's air, you know, I, for, I don't know. What do you say about air? You know, it feels like air shoots movies and the studio has to recut them. That's what it feels like. I don't know. Some of his work that is not so well known, I really like Harsh Times, which I feel like was probably a very clear interpretation of what he wanted to do, because I don't think a big studio yeah, cut that. That's what I mean, but that's not a big movie. Right. Yeah. No. I mean, his stuff doesn't flow. The movies that he makes feel like they're, the flow feels like it was created in editing almost. Which it which we, means, and you say it feels feels like a big chunk's left out of it. A lot of his movies are like that. I mean, you saw the trailer, the Facilo Rashad stuff. You feel like should go on for a while, and I don't want to. I mean, you, obviously, if you've seen the trailer, you know what happens to that character. It happens mm-hmm. so abruptly that you, you there's. There's, it's brilliant casting, first of all, let me say, because she's the Cosby's mom. So it feels like it's everybody's mom from that era. So when she does get scammed, it, it does it's affecting. But then that character is written out of the movie so quickly that there's really no one else to give a shit about. And Statham is going to do what Statham does. So when he's not on screen, you have Josh Hutchinson, who's playing... A, playing up this character and there's a big reveal of, of who the ultimate villain is so I don't want to say who it is but they're they're using things that are topical and you can look at this um, from a political angle one way or another it's not pro one side or pro another side but there's little tidbits that they're using from this side and from that side and, and different stuff but I mean basically Jeremy Irons is wasted Josh Hutcherson is, is doing something and he's compelling to watch but he basically just has a cocktail in his hand every scene. It's like an old bad Jack Palance performance. <laughs> um, so I don't know. I just, I was, like I said, let down by the movie. It's mercifully short though at 105 minutes. So you're in and you're out. But I do think that when you come out of this and you hit me up, you're going to just say, what the fuck was that? <laughs> but catch a matinee. It's cheaper. Oh, I got a free ticket. So yeah, the boy that's, that's about how you should see this movie. <laughs> yeah, I'm curious though to see what the box office gross is for it on Monday morning if it can break the 10 million threshold. 
Yeah, I mean, who knows? It's Statham. It's January. I, you know, I don't, but there's nothing out, and and it doesn't look like there's anything going to be out. So that might, I don't, know, I don't know. What does that do? Does that drive people to go see this movie, or do people just say fuck movies all together? We'll know by Monday morning because it's looking yeah. like it's the latter. All right, let's move on and talk about Rebel Moon. I want you to go ahead and give your opinion on Rebel Moon because you saw it before I did. And this was Zack Snyder's 200 million opus that came <laughs> yeah. out Christmas Day on Netflix. Go ahead. Yeah, Rebel Moon Part 1, A Child of Fire. This is a four-act, super long, stupid movie that has no ending to it because the ending's in the next movie afterwards. And you could have done this. I don't know. This, this movie could exist in 30 minutes. So... I think it's a huge, colossal waste of time. I think the story is shit. Um, acting's fine. The special effects are fine. You know, like, the world is cool to look at. And other than that, the movie feels pointless, to be honest with you, and really small. And I like the idea of, like, her... Uh, well, the premise of the movie is that she's basically a farmer she's in this farm village and on some planet somewhere and the you know whatever they are the federation the empire the fuck they are the bad guys come and decide that they're going to take the crops from the farmers in order to support the army and so this movie or a series of movies appears to be all about the farmers standing up to the soldiers and so she goes and this movie focuses on her going and rounding up the magnificent seven if you will that is going to help defend the farm land and and that's the whole that's it that's the whole fucking thing with this really there's some like um you know she's more than who she says she is you know there's all this kind of other nonsense just to you know make her a badass um uh but i don't know it's just it's i was bored with it to be honest with you i i like the idea in general i guess but the execution i thought was was just boring yeah, it's part Star Wars, it's part Western, it's part Avatar, it's part Gladiator, it's part Game of Thrones. I mean, it's derivative down to Anthony Hopkins voicing the robot, which Michael Bay used in Transformers 5. Um, I mean, I guess I <laughs> was did. just in the mood, though, to see something that easily could have been an entry in the Riddick series. Uh, and this looked like it existed in that world. I was like, waiting for Vin Diesel to pop up. And I did like the Snyder touches. I guess. I mean, his, he had some horror touches in there, like the guy with the, in the saloon with the talking electric blue crab that he used for a voice and the, the spider lady and things like that. I thought there were some very things here. But I got to say here that I really got into this. I think this is Snyder's second most enjoyable film. And I think it's actually the movie he's been working up to his entire career. I don't know if he could or even would have been able to tell this story this cleanly and with such certainty if he hadn't have made those other movies before. I mean, I think, in my opinion, I, I was blown away here. I thought it was, I don't know what I was expecting, but it wasn't this. And I think that as an actor, you're never going to look better than you do in a Snyder movie. He just shoots people in a certain way. Everybody looks heroic in this. I just thought, I mean, obviously it's the biggest Star Wars, non-Star Wars movie that there has been in it ever. But... I think it's the most entertaining Star Wars movie or not. It's better than the last couple Star Wars movie. And I think, for my money, it's as entertaining as The Fifth Element. I think it's better than Pacific Rim. I mean, a lot of these uh, genre masters and, and big-time directors have tried to do stuff like this not nearly as successful. as This is no Battlefield Earth, is what I'm trying to say, which is what I was expecting reading some of the reviews uh, in the online stuff and even uh, your negative kind of thoughts on it. It was really... 
lowered my expectations. So I was really pleasantly surprised about this. Yeah, it's boring. I don't know how to tell you. It's got a lot of exposition, <laughs> but I don't think it's ever not entertaining. The whole thing's exposition, right? It's just, why is this two movies? It's way too long. They, 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 the scenes where she goes and collects these people or the East, they have their little moments and stuff. It's like a mini movie in the movie. It's too much. I liked it. It was like a mini, it's basically a mini series. That's what this is. Yeah, I know. That's why it, it's not it's not a movie. It's no it's no good. Not a movie. I think Snyder does a great job here. Once again, the only thing that I was starting to get a little irritated at is just those worlds. Some of them with the big moons in the background. Not every shot has to be the most beautiful thing ever committed to film. And I appreciate his visuals. The whole movie was like his visual that. style, <laughs> but um, I, I really enjoyed little odd aspects of it, and you know, little deviations and. The, the spider mom who didn't want to give up the child and just these little weird doodles that had happened throughout the film. I just really thought it was imaginative. Yeah. I think for those reasons, I think that no one will be talking about Rebel Moon next year or two years, three years, five years. I think this movie just disappears. Interestingly, though, it's one of the rare Netflix movie I could see myself rewatching. Yeah, I doubt it. Let's go ahead. I'm calling it now. I doubt you rewatch this. I might have to before the sequel comes out because you uh, will forget about it. It might be too dense to, to remember. No, it's not that hard to remember. It is a pretty simple story. Like I said, cleanly told, though. I enjoyed it. It's not. It's not. It's it well cleanly told, clean but not succinct. Let's let's just say it's that it's not short. No, but I I it, I like the spectacle. I don't really outside don't of that, that first act. Told. I don't know it's, how where you could really have cut this at. It's it's really pr- you could cut a lot out of this movie. It's it needs to do what it needs to. Do. I mean, it's a miniseries. It's not really a movie. Though. That's where I'm looking it at. It doesn't need to do it. It it does it, but it doesn't need to do it. If this was a three night <laughs> movie event you, on television, you, really need... you would. This is better than the last Dune movie. Do you? Better than what? Dune, part one. No. Oh come on, Dune I mean, is I would way say this duller. Is the same. This is just as dull. I, I don't know. I it, it, this has what brighter special effects? It's the same, you know, to me. It, the storyline of this is boring. I found the I characters. Don't go, more I don't need compelling. to watch the guy go and figure out how to ride the fucking, you know, weird flying creature thing for no reason whatsoever just to leave right after he does it it's because it's a western they're freeing the slave after he breaks the horse i mean the whole western tropes were all over this thing uh she's a gunslinger i know i, I mean, don't I need it. to for it to take that long it takes too long it's the gunslinger and the samurai <laughs> and all that i mean I, I i agree with you the movie is well, why is the samurai in a western it's long but it's a mini series because like, they did that in red sun with charles bronson it's and, too much i mean they did this they've been doing this for since no the 60s. It, it can't be you can't it can't be everything right it's it's too much it's not it has no focus whatsoever and it's too small of a story to have this much many elements this much in it it, it needs to be cut way down I liked it. And I'm glad I, it was an I feel original like, property. I feel like this is what David Ayer's, you know, Suicide Squad cut would have been, right? Uh, reckless abandoned by a creative force. <laughs> just like, just yeah, just just too much fucking story. This is Zach, too much going. I mean, on. Zack Snyder they thought died on a sword on a hill with uh, Justice League is four hour cut, but <laughs> I think this is his apocalypse now. To be honest with you, I think this uh, is him doing I mean, whatever he I don't wants. Know. There's no difference between the Snyder cut and, and the Whedon cut. To be honest with you, there's very little difference in that at all. So, I don't know. I, I, don't, I just don't think I don't. I just don't think Zack Snyder. It, I know, but there's no real story difference. Um, I don't think Zack Snyder's all that great. His movies I grow really like on some me. Some of his stuff, but 
No, no on this, I say. No. All right, let's move on and talk about the biggest movie of the year, uh, a movie that most people in the world saw this last year, and that was Barbie, a movie that you and I were late to the game in seeing, but we did catch up with it just recently. Uh, just last night, we had, or a couple nights ago, we had the Golden Globes, and it did not win the Golden Globe for its category, but it did win biggest what, cinematic achievement. Ca- what was it, the box office? Yeah, box that- office cinematic achievement, yeah. which I don't know what metric they based <laughs> that off of, but it won. <laughs> right? No, that's just a fake category so they can shoehorn in, just like the Oscars have been trying forever, some big box office movie. So it's like they're, we're, we're with the times, you know? Well, to be fair, they used to nominate, like the highest grossing movie of the year was usually among the best picture nominees. That was like a thing in the 70s and 80s. That was not totally unheard of. Well, you know what? It could be a thing now, but it's not. So trying to make it a thing feels a little desperate to me i feel like they've been trying since about 2008 when the dark knight rise or the dark knight they thought should have gotten the best picture oscar nomination which would have been validated um so anyways let's go ahead and talk about this movie (laughs) um you go ahead because you saw it before i did so i feel like you can go ahead and start this one off again yeah i liked this movie i thought it was well written um uh even though it's clearly for women, it's not for men at all. Um, but the Ryan Gosling stuff, the, the kid stuff works. I thought it was pretty funny. And he's a, uh, funny in this. Um, I thought Margot Robbie's was great. Um, I even like Kate, Kate McKinnon as the weird Barbie. Um, so the casting's really good. I thought the writing was good. Um, and that's it. You know, I, I like that it didn't uh, go into the whole culture war stuff. You know, it really didn't do the, the men versus women stuff. It was there a little bit, but it wasn't really like a main part of of the uh, of the movie. And I like the idea of the representation of Barbie as an idea, you know. And so she, when she becomes a real character, she has to decide. You know, there's a there's a distinguished uh, there's a distinguishment between the real people and the idea of Barbie, you know. And and what has to happen in Barbie Land doesn't necessarily have to happen in in real life, which I thought was cool. Yeah, I was really surprised by this. I think this is one of the best movies of the year, last year. Uh, didn't see this one coming at all. Was prepared to absolutely hate this movie and was just scene by scene. The subversiveness of the script, I thought it this little subtle jabs mm-hmm. at things, but not the overkill. I mean, it had definitely was saying a few things, but I just thought that this was very well done. I connected to this more than I did to everything, everywhere, all at once, and that relationship between the mother and daughter there paled in comparison to what I thought was really well done between American Ferreira and and her daughter in this movie. Uh, Loved all of the Matrix references here, which I thought was a lot in this movie. (laughs) Also loved the Stallone references. If you didn't catch it in the gym, there's Rocky posters. When he sees the version of masculinity, it's Stallone. If you know anything about Stallone, he had a phase where he was wearing those fur coats. So I think that's a nod to him. And then the boxer pants and the boxer shoes Gosling's wearing. So a lot of fun to be had in Mm -hmm. here. A lot of Easter eggs. Uh, Like that Will Ferrell, even his little cameo here and the pregnant Barbie. And there's jokes in here for, for everybody. I think that you can pull different things out of here. It's no surprise to me why this is so lauded as much as it is. But I also always wonder how that version that Amy Schumer was going to headline with a different creative team, how that would have turned out. Because this oh is lightning in a horrible. bottle. I don't think that they could ever repeat this. I think spinning this off, which they're obviously going to do one way or another, is a horrible mm-hmm. idea. But I think for a one-time movie, this is is exceedingly well yeah. done. 
but it's definitely the casting and the, the writing. Uh, you know, the, I was going to say the writing director, right, is what made this movie work. The, the, all those things together, um, just just made a great movie. I don't know um, the innocence that uh, Ryan Gosling and that not, Margot Robbie can convey yeah. makes this work. Like when he wants to go into the house and spend the night, she says, "But why?" And he goes, "I, I don't know." <laughs> neither of them. Neither of them. Yeah, know. and it's just like, but they can play that without. <laughs> you're not laughing they're not stupid you almost they just don't know the joke they're like childlike in a sense and like they both can pull it off the idea of barbie land which is i like the way the writing's really good in this um i i I do like the the setups and the payoffs and everything and how they they work it through and i like that it's not preachy you know it's it's a little it's a little preachy but it's not preachy at all like they just they let you see real emotions through it and you kind of Make up your own mind, like what you think and where you go with it. Um, like the scene, I like the scene where she sees the old woman on the bus and says, "You're beautiful," you know. Uh, which it normally would come off pretty crappy in probably most any other movie, but Margot Robbie pulls it off and it works well. And it's it's a good moment because if you look at the bookends of the movie, it's right it happens right in the middle of the movie. It's it's one of those moments that kind of makes her think. You know, maybe she doesn't want to live in the idea, in the ideal world. She wants to live in the real world. And it's great that moment where she's having her moment with America Ferrera and she's talking about uh, mm-hmm. not being beautiful for longer and all that kind of stuff. And then the announcer says, note from the filmmakers, when you want to have a scene like this, do not cast Margot Robbie, who's the most beautiful person <laughs> in the world. And like nodding <laughs> winks like that, I thought were just mm-hmm. what this needed. And to show, I mean, the most surprising thing I think of the year is going to be people hearing us give Barbie a positive review from both of us. But... When something is done this well, and I don't care what it ultimately, what its message is for girls, that's great. But for general audiences, everyone could enjoy something in this movie. This wasn't Charlie's Angels remake from a couple years ago that was just so one-sided and had a clear agenda against another side. This is just a movie that is just trying to entertain people. The American Ferrer speech, which I still don't understand how it's they cried when she did this on yeah, set but the speech that she gave applies to everyone i'm like this isn't specific to women so I, I a lot of the things that they that they say and do in this movie just aren't it i don't know it almost transcends the culture war in a lot of ways which i thought was was kind of was interesting different i mean bombach and gerwig are clearly some of the best filmmakers right now I've, we've been saying In this for opinion, a while. I've really liked, yeah, I've just, they've surprised me with everything that they've done. Normally you'd think this is going to be hottie, hottie toddy. It's going to be like, you know, snobbish and, and no good, but they never are. They're always like down to earth. It's always real. It's always emotional. Um, it's always easy to connect with their films. I think that my favorite, couple of my favorite movies in the last 20 years, uh, the squid and the whale while we're young, lady bird. Mm-hmm. Those are, some fantastic films from them as a filmmaking team. Although I didn't see little women. I have to be honest. I, I did not catch that one. I have not seen little women yet either, but I did. I want to see it, but I haven't. So I, don't I know. backed out after I, I saw the version in 30 years ago with Winona Ryder. I know. I was like, do I really want to watch little women? I don't know. I mean, it's probably good. Probably. It probably is. I probably do want to watch it, but I just, I don't know. Yeah. It's a tough sell for me, but Barbie is excellent. It is. I agree. So one of the best films of the year, in my opinion, Mm-hmm. Let's move on and talk about the family plan. I have not got a chance to see this. This is Mark Wahlberg's 
what, 16th? In fact, Mark Wahlberg is going to be at the local Costco tomorrow from 1030 to 12 signing <laughs> bottles of tequila. No shit. Oh, I was God. half contemplating getting down there until I saw thing. it was like a tequila thing. Brian Cranston and Aaron Paul were here hey, doing you know this what? shit. No, we, there must just, be a good golf course around here they bro, all no, play no, no, at. No. Bro, I already went I, years ago. I went and I got the man. I got the, the guy, you know, the the porn guy. Ron Jeremy? I got the guy, the stash. I got Ron, well, my brother did. The, his, the signatures wore off. I think the bottle's gone. But he had his own... Uh, was it tequila? It might have been tequila, um, you know, which is just just one of those standard tequilas. You just slap your own label on them. That's what it all is. <laughs> and he and he, yeah, and he was down there in, in L.A. somewhere at this fucking rinky dink, like off the beaten path fucking liquor store. And signing fucking bottles. So. Well, I think Mark Wahlberg at a Costco so we might there. be a little bit more sanitary we than Ron Jeremy there. in a fucking eight millimeter snuff porn oh, house. He was dirty, bro. Yeah, he dirty. Dude. I didn't sweats and shit. It was like, dude, he's like, he just woke up because he's worried about getting popped for rape the whole fucking time. <laughs> I don't even think he's worried about it. He was probably, I don't know, man. I think that he bottle. Like he didn't have a clue what was going on. If it wasn't tequila you were buying, it was straight roofie. <laughs> You'd buy a roofie juice. We drank it, I think. Oh fuck it, yeah, Ron Jeremy. Good times. Just, yeah. Good times. Talk about a herpy. You better check yourself after meeting Ron Jeremy. <laughs> just talking to him, you might get something. All right, let's talk about the family plan, though. It's hell of a less, no. hell of a segue into a family film. Let me know. Is this a family film? What yeah. is this, an action family film? Is this like Sky it High? It is an action comedy family film. He's a uh, a spy guy who, or he's an assassin who's given up his assassin ways to raise his family. He's fallen in love with his family. And, you know, so he's like, no social media, no this. is isn't like pictures of him, but... Um, Pictures get taken, of course. They get posted, and he gets found out, and they try to come kill him, and then it's a fun, fun, fun time where he's like, come on, family. We got to go to Las Vegas for a trip. Don't worry about it. And then, you know, he's driving along, and they're trying to kill him, and the family doesn't realize it. So it's real funny, and he's like, you know, driving all over the place, and and uh, yeah, and so it's one of those. Is it funny? I think there's a twist in the end. Not really. And then there's a twist in the end that's uh, you see it coming a mile away, and so it's like every fucking movie like this. That sounds like a you've seen before, and it is a big letdown. Yeah, I thought this could have been a lot better, a lot funnier. Um, it's it's a little too family friendly, I think, for what it's supposed to be, and and then it's also not, which is weird. Because it's like an action movie where people get that killed. That was like stuff, My Spy. Remember that a couple of years ago with weird. Dave Bautista and that little girl? That was oddly violent for how yeah. family-friendly they were selling that at, which they've always done. Kindergarten Cops the same way. I mean, they always have a tough time with these action guys in these quote-unquote kid films. Yeah, well, you just got to pick your your path. You know, this couldn't couldn't figure out if this was going to be you know cartoony or if this was going to be real or if this was going to be whatever it was going to be, you know, and it just, by the end of it, it just feels weird. Like the whole third act is just odd. It's just fucking odd, man. I don't know. I don't want to ruin it for anyone who hasn't seen it, 
So I won't I won't say anything more than that, but it's just it's not very good. It's all right. Wahlberg's output on streaming, which he's done a lot of streaming films now, has been very, very spotty. <laughs> they haven't been good though. Outside of <laughs> yeah. uh Spencer, which Ooh. is I still think Spencer and Rebel Moon are the best Netflix films ever produced in my opinion. How dare you? Don't say those in the same And then you have the same Infinity or Infinite, which I never even saw. <laughs> yes. Oh, you said you said it wasn't even worth watching. Uh and then there was Me Time, which wasn't very good. That wasn't very good either. And now no. there's this. I mean, I think um, there's at least one more that I'm missing in here somewhere. So it's just, he's done a ton of movies. Probably. I mean, his, uh, um, his stuff that doesn't go streaming is a lot better within this same area. You know, like I would rather, watch, what was the other one? Um, the other family movie he made, where they adopted Instant the, family. the girl instant family. That's way better of a movie than this. Well, that's a real movie. And it's not even, it's not even an action movie. Yeah. Way better movie. Who directed Family Plan? Do you know offhand? Do you recall? Was it anybody worth the name? Because uh, if it's not somebody uh, who's worth the shit, I know, I know they farm out the stunts and the action to special effects teams and stunt the family teams. Family Plan. But if it's not a real director, it's like when these guys who did like the the Simon Kellen Jones. What the fuck? That's not somebody who's um, adept at doing action films, though. TV TV series. He's a TV director. Okay. Well. I, I can't so comment on it because I haven't That's seen it, why it's but so usually great. those action comedy films with families, I mean, it sounds like a Griswold type movie. Like he basically could have been Chevy Chase in this back in the day. You know, it reminds me a lot of RV, except RV is a good movie and actually kind of funny and stuff, but it's that same premise where the dad is pretending to be doing something like he's taking these, these the, the family on a trip, but not really like other shit's happening. So he's having to cover for that stuff and it know. sounds like, like it's, it's, it's that not, was a trope in the '90s. The exasperated dad who was overworked and he's going like. to spend time it, with the kids, but he's really still working. It's it's kind of like that. I mean, it's not because the premise is like that, but that's exactly what it feels like. Like like when he plays through it, it's not like I. There's a scene when he first gets found out. There's a scene where he's holding where he has the baby strapped to his chest. And he's in the supermarket, and the, and an assassin comes tries to kill him. And he gets in this big fight and everything. And you're like, oh, okay, that's kind of like it's kind of funny and stuff, and like. The kids obviously, you know, in danger of being fucking killed, <laughs> a little baby. But it, whatever, it's an action comedy thing. It's pretty funny and everything. But you can do that once, but you're gonna do that the whole movie. You're gonna do stuff like that. Like, I'm kind of done. Sounds one note. It was yeah. interesting. I wonder how if, uh, Wahlberg gets back on the big screen because his last few movies that he did solo have not performed particularly well. So I hope. Uh, and to all you that are meeting him tomorrow at Costco, uh, good luck with that. Good luck. You missed Ron Jeremy, so I missed a shot. <laughs> I mean, Sorry. that could have been, that's a double meeting with Ron Jeremy, so. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's talk about the trailers on today's show, and let's talk initially here about the one that is the biggest surprise to me of the bunch, and that's this Lisa Frankenstein horror comedy from oh. Diablo Cody that I don't know if this is just a very well cut together trailer with the 80s music to it but I have not been the biggest fan of Diablo Cody admittedly although I think that a couple of her films are really underrated like Young Adult and uh, uh, Jennifer's Body, Jennifer's Body is very, has a cult yeah, following Young Adult, great um, and even the one that we saw with the Tully I like that one too uh, For, comparatively I mean was that her? Yeah, that was her did she write mm -hmm. that? Really? Uh, and Reitman directed it. But that, I mean, I did yeah. not care for Juno, which was the one that she's most well known for. But I, like I said, this has more of a, yeah. this reminded me of something like My Boyfriend's Back. You remember that movie from the 90s? 
yeah. and things like that. So if it stays with what it's showing on screen, I'm all for it. I actually want to see this movie. This looks way more compelling than the Mean Girls remake that's coming out. I mean, I'm oh by far. I, I mean, this is a fantastic trailer for anyone that hasn't right? watched it. This gets you, this gets you hyped to go watch a movie. Like it, it's great music, um, great moments. Looks like a Tim Burton movie. It um, just it looks magical is what it looks like, and I get that. You get that magical kind of feeling when you watch it and think, oh, like something weird is going to happen in this, but it's somehow it's going to matter. It's funny that you said that Tim Burton connection. I like Rebel Moon. Because, oh, thanks. One, one well, more like dig at Rebel Moon before we, before we join. Uh, no, like, it looks like Edward Scissorhands, doesn't it, with the bad guy? Well, now that you say that. Kind of, or not the bad guy, but the dead now guy. Now you say it, yes, but I was thinking more that Beetlejuice 2 is going to come out at the end of the year, and I bet you this is going to be more entertaining uh, than Beetlejuice 2 turns out to be. Just judging off of not, my own personal bias of watching uh, this trailer, but I just had that thought when I watched this. This comes out really soon. This comes out beginning of February. Great, great timing. This is a date movie. This is the kind of stuff that um, would have been out back in the day. I'm glad they're making this. Oh, 100 percent. This looks like a good Valentine's uh, movie. Yeah, Beetlejuice too. I don't know, man. I'll wait till we get a real trailer and see. But yeah, Ugh. yeah, we'll see. I feel like there's going to be too many cooks in the kitchen along with. Uh, a very worried, you know, studio. And also, you don't count out Michael Keaton. Don't do that because he was a kick-ass. He was the best part of The Flash. And uh, I think that he will still be available to perform. It's true, but it doesn't mean he's going to save the movie. You know, he might be. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what they're going to do with that movie. I just feel like, you know, there's it's going to be a bunch of, you know, tweens in the movie. And they're going to get Beetlejuice somehow, right? That's what it's going to be. Who knows? They're right? keeping it under wraps. It's going to be Janet Ortega, and she's going to bring a sizable fan base, so I'm sure it's going to make money. But I think that this looks a lot better. But that's kind of why I think like it's a little, I don't know, it's weird. We'll see. All right, then, but Lisa Frankenstein looks great. It does. It does look great. So we're one, one for three so far. Next is going to be One Love, the Bob Marley story. This is obviously the biopic mm-hmm. that's been long in the gestation period about singer activist uh icon bob marley and once again nicely cut trailer i'm interested in seeing this but i feel like i saw the movie in the trailer i didn't i don't i'm these biopics i run hot and cold <laughs> on i've never seen yeah. walk the line i never saw ray that one's good i'm sure they're fantastic ray sucks i've seen a whole bunch of other ones over the years <laughs> i hated ray i don't like the music biopic stuff just i'm just gonna throw it out there i haven't seen a lot of that the, the tina turner one out. was maybe the best one i ever saw back in the day the queen one yeah, was one's... pretty good recently um yeah, I don't know. I'm not gonna watch them. I don't think they're good. This trailer's fucking great, though. This, this, the beginning of the the first half of this trailer is like hits all the notes of your standard musical biopic, right? Like they're like, oh, you're gonna be a star. You're doing great, and all they have all those moments in it. And then the middle, there's the midpoint, like turning point in this fucking trailer happens, where they uh, try to the kill. Yeah, it's an action thriller. And then yeah, and then the last half of this movie is. Or half of the last half of this trailer looks fucking great. I, I know. I hope it's not just a bait and <laughs> like, switch. Holy shit. Because you know how this ultimately ends, and he he survives and performs right. and, and dies of cancer years later. But at the same time, I, that that is played like it's a JFK Oliver Stone movie. I was like, wow, this yeah, is pretty fucking good. It's not your normal uh, fucking musical biopic thing. Like, like the uh, actual shit's going on in this one. I was almost expecting if you see this in like Tarantino revisionist history where he does get shot and he's like a martyr because he was right. killed while singing right. in front of his people, you know? So, um, but the trailer is, is very well I done. Don't know. 
I mean, this is one I'm going to keep an eye on. I I might actually really watch this movie. It looks, um, it just looks way more interesting than most any other. All those biopics are like, uh, I write music. It's hard writing music. I have a problem somehow. You know, I got a drug problem. I got this problem. I got a girl problem. I got something here. Okay, well, I kind of fixed that, maybe. Who knows? But I wrote some great music, and then it fucking ends. You're like, okay. Yeah, it's another man with a problem movie. You know, this is the guy. This is his fucking problem. It's like, great. Uh, Yeah. But this guy has, like, an external problem in a way. Like, they're, like, trying to fucking kill the dude. Yeah, it looks very good. And the casting looks good on this, too. I mean, the last one that I saw, the biopic, was the Tupac one. And that was as bad Uh as the one about Biggie was good. If that makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it did. <laughs> okay, let's move on and talk about Rebel Moon 2. We saw a short teaser. We talked about it earlier in, earlier in the show. Trevor disdained it and despised it. I applaud it and think it's one of the better films of the year. Well, you're about to get some scars, all right? And Rebel Moon 2, uh, must say, once again, whoever is cutting trailers today, well done, because this thing is cut like a son of a bitch, too, and... I'm I'm in. I mean, it looks like more of the same. It looks like the completion of the story that I thought I'd get in the first film. I I completed long ago. You, you see what you said is that you didn't wait for me to finish. I had you finished early first. completion. Yeah, I had an early completion. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. This looks just as dumb as the first one. Just more the same shit. Actually, this looks like the what should be the fucking third act of the first movie. Yes. Now it's going to be one whole fucking movie of a third act. Great, can't wait. Can't wait. I love the haircut, too, at the end of the movie. Well, she's kind of rocking that haircut when she's the the guard, you know, in those flashback sequences. So I know, but why not just buzz cut it then? It's just it's a it's horrendous looking. I think that if anybody's underused in these movies so far, it's uh, Dijamon Husen, you know, is the gladiator Titus. I, I would have liked to see him. Do a little bit more in the first one. And it looks like he's taking charge too of, bad. in training this, here. They, they have to go and get everyone together. Everyone gets their moment. He had his. Yeah, it's, that's true. They do have a moment for everybody. And uh, everyone's equally represented. But I do think that this trailer, teaser trailer here is at least, for me, exciting to see that. Look, I have not been invested in any of the Star Wars stuff coming out. And just today they announced that Jon Favreau is doing the Mandalorian and Guru uh, film. You know, They're going to spin that off. And... <laughs> I'm so out. You know, Lucasfilm has another director, a female director doing another untitled Star Wars film. So if this is Snyder's version of what he wanted to do, great. I'm glad that we have it here because... I don't even know how this would be Star Wars. You don't think that Rebel Moon is more compelling than The Last Jedi? The last... I don't give a shit. I'm not going to compare it to shit and say that it's good because there's some shitty Star Wars movies. It's more watchable. I I don't like this movie. No, I don't think you so. wouldn't watch this over I, I any of those previous Star Wars movies. If you had to rewatch, I haven't one. even seen the last Star Wars movie. You didn't see the- I haven't seen the last one oh, at all. Fuck. So I've seen this. I'll see the second one of this. But you know, I, I stopped watching this the other shit. And if they had a third one of these, I probably wouldn't watch it. If they make more Rebel Moon after this, I probably won't see. Well, it. knowing Amazon or Netflix, they're gonna. But I'll finish. They'll this spin off. it off with like an anime series and then some sort of fucking multimedia situation and. Maybe. It'll be around for a while. I did tell you that I was at one of the... I don't know. It's got mixed reviews, so I don't know what they're going to do with it. They spent a lot of money on it, but they don't seem to give a shit about any of that. So. I thought that it was ridiculous that they had toys for it. Like I was saying, I was at a big box store during the holidays, yeah. and they had shelves full of toys. But after watching it, I thought, great. I mean, get the fucking toys for the kids. Let's get these robots moving off these shelves. Don't, 
<laughs> don't you think some of that especially in, for netflix's point of view for how they launch and, and deal with a lot of their movies that's almost like walking the walk right yeah like they want to look they want it it's to optics. appear as if they've made something big so they're going to put out toys of course they are um so that's good though i mean maybe the 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 like the visuals are cool the aliens stuff are awesome in this so if you're gonna put out some good toys cool yeah i mean i don't the vehicles weren't all that great, but some of the characters themselves, like I said, and some of the uh, vehicles are vehicles. You know, I don't that was a big part <laughs> of the Star Wars those. toys when we were kids and stuff like that as well. Yeah, but that's never gonna. I don't think that will ever. There's there are so many spaceships. How, how many of that shit have you seen at this point? Where I, yeah, I mean, it's just is what it is, right? I mean, I, I like I remember like yeah, sure, like the last fight, Starfighter, like Starship, you know, Star Wars starships, um, Star Trek stuff. If I look at any of the new shit, it all just looks the same. It looks like it's from any of the universals. You could just interchange them. Whereas back then, uh, when you look at that stuff, it's all it's separated out. It's all its own things. That's uh, that's why I think of like the uh, Batman stuff. You think about like the Batmobile and the Batwing. We talked about that a little bit last time. Well, I mean, the Tumblr was cool, but. Not as iconic. Come on, come on. It doesn't hold yeah. up like the '89 Batmobile. It's not going to work again. Like you just can't do it again. Yeah. But even some of those later Batmobiles, the '95, '97 one, aren't as cool as that initial. Yeah, it gets old after a while. Well, that's going to do it for our episode 393. We want to thank you guys for joining us for another Movie Mavericks episode. As always, you can find our back catalog on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you're getting this at. Please like, rate, review the show, uh, spread the word on that. Also, check out moviemavericks.com. We have daily reviews. Every day we have a new review on there, so check back daily for the latest reviews and past episodes. Speaking for Trevor Anderson, I am Jason Rugard, and we are the Movie Mavericks. Oh my, another magnificent episode has come to an end. If you're craving more, set your destination to moviemavericks.com, warp 9. Engage! <laughs>